This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Hey, Crime Town listeners. Last week, we told you about how a life of crime impacted the families of Charles the Ghost Kennedy and Big Al Blamires. Today, we're going to bring you a bonus story that we couldn't fit into that episode, but it's definitely worth sharing. Remember Gerard Wamet? He led a notorious faction of the patriarchal crime family and basically ran the North Wing of the adult correctional institutions, where the wise guys lived. Wamet had a phone in his prison cell and was the guy who offered a 16-year-old Bobby Wallison a glass of scotch. Gerard says, can I get you a drink? I said, yeah, sure. He goes, what do you want? <laughs> I said, I'll take anything. I, I knew what he was talking about, because, you know, I'm with, the, I'm with the boys. And he came over with scotch. He goes, here you go. And you might also remember that Wamet was the guy who threatened to kill Charles Kennedy. It says, uh, you know, all I need is a car to follow us. You pull over the side of the road, and I blow your fucking brains out, and I get in the other car, because that's how easy it is for me. This is the type of guy, this is what he was. Man, he never had friends. He killed all his friends. In 1979, the FBI wrote, quote, although he's not Italian, Wimet enjoys the same stature as lieutenants under Raymond L.S. Patriarca. He was known as the Frenchman. He was suspected of ordering numerous mob hits. And Wimet, he had a family too. My name is Nicole Souza, formerly Nicole Wimet. Um, Gerard is my father. Nicole doesn't have a lot of early memories of her father because he was in prison for most of her childhood. When she was six, he was sentenced to five years on a gun charge. Not long after that, he was convicted of conspiracy to commit murder and sentenced to another 10 years. When I was little, like I have the pictures from visiting him in the visiting room, but I don't remember being little, being in the visiting room. Um, sitting on his lap or I, I don't know I, I don't um, I don't know it was just going to see your dad it wasn't you know when did you figure out that wasn't what most kids were doing <laughs> um, I think I found out probably in school um, I remember being harassed on the bus kids teasing me and telling me that you know my dad's in the mob and my dad's scary Did your mom have to explain to you why he was away? Um, no. They sheltered me so much when I was a child. Um, no one ever told me what was going on. No one ever sat me down and said, okay, this is, you know, the deal, and this is why he's not here. He wasn't really nice to my mom. That's, you know, that's, there was always a lot of turmoil. 
he did cheat on her, and, um, you know, I guess he was not so nice to her um, physically and emotionally. So the moment that, you know, when he left, I, I'm assuming she right away she filed for divorce, and I remember right around that six, seven, eight-year-old, you know, age um, that they were they were divorced and it was over. Then, when Nicole was in high school, the Frenchman was granted parole. I think I was probably about 15 and a half. Um, he was transferred to a halfway house, which he could then um, leave during the day. So then he started picking me up at home, bringing me to school. Um, we'd always, you know, go grab a sandwich or do something fun. He would take me shopping. You know, he was trying to kind of get to know me again and be in my life. And then I remember when uh, I turned 16, he was out fully, um, and he had an apartment in Forever, um, which I then went to live with him. How was that time? Great. Um, I mean, I've, you know, six months is all I really got from my dad pretty much my whole life. So, you know, it was good to be with him. There was the one incident where I was with a boy that um, had broken my heart probably six months to a year before. And we kind of like got back together or whatever and um, dad wasn't too happy about that. So we said, all right, bring him down. Let me, let me talk to him. I was like, this is kind of odd, but hey, my dad wants to meet you. This is great, you know, whatever. What do you think we'll about just, that? He's probably shitting his pants. He was probably shaking. Nicole and her boyfriend went to meet her father at a bar in Cranston. So, you know, we walk in and um, my dad pulls him in the back. He had a little conversation with him and, and then he like punched him or slapped him or something and told him to never talk to me again. <laughs> and that was the end of him. <laughs> never talk to him again. I did have one girlfriend that, um, at the time, you know, her and I were, like, inseparable. She was, like, my sister. Uh, I remember one day he took us shopping, and we were in the Swansea Mall, and um, he said, girls, all right, buy whatever you want. We're like, really? He's like, yeah, anything you want. And I remember, <laughs> we're like, all right, it's great. But even then, Wimet was still a wise guy. I remember him looking around and looking behind him and, all right, let's go, hurry up, hurry up, whatever you want. And, and he kept saying something about marked money, and I'm like, this sounds really bad, but I'm just going to go with it because we're shopping. I don't, I don't even care. So I remember we got home, whatever, at the end of that adventure, and my girlfriend's dad flipped out on her. Um, he was like, you're going to give everything back. He's like, you don't accept things, like, you don't accept gifts like that. Um, you're going to be asked to, you know, do something for him in the future or, you know, now he owns you or you owe him um, a favor. And he was really, really upset. There's one night that really stands out for Nicole. The night of the father-daughter dance at her high school. I wore a black dress. I think I wore his sister's fur coat. Um, I remember being in the limo, it was, you know, like a red velvet interior. 
you know, I just remember him being kind of like a cool dad, hanging out with all the other dads. Um, and I don't really think I paid him too much mind that night. I was too worried about being with my friends and, you know, like every other normal teenager would do. I mean, I'm sure I got some looks from the teachers and, you know, everyone. He was like a celebrity. Everyone wanted to know, you know, who he was. And I remember introducing him to my teachers. Um, but it was honestly, it was quite normal. It was like, you know, anyone. Was he happy? He must have been happy. Oh, yeah. I, he was smiling ear to ear. I remember the whole night. Um, he was thrilled. And at the end of the night, he said, all right, you know, he dropped me off at the apartment and he said, I'll be right back. You know, I'll be back in a little bit. And I begged him not to go. And he took off in the limo. That's the night that he got himself in trouble. Then, a few days later. My friend and I, we were together and she slept over my dad's house at the apartment. And I think all I remember from that night is them barging in. It really sounded like the end of the world. Who's that? The FBI. It was probably maybe 15 of them. It was kind of out of a movie. They, you know, knocked the door down. They just started rushing upstairs, screaming. And we woke up and had no idea what was going on. And within seconds, they had my friend and I against the wall with guns to our heads. They had my dad in handcuffs. They just, they took him out pretty quickly and held my friend and I there for hours. It felt like eternity, but it was probably a couple of hours while they just ransacked the entire house um, looking for anything they could find. I couldn't even tell you the amount of money that came out of that house, and I was fighting with them, and I'm like, that's my money! And they're like, no, it's not! I'm like, that's my money! They just, you know, I don't, I, they just finally left um, after hours and didn't even, like I think about it now, it was probably, what, 17? I wasn't even 18 then, didn't even have, you know, parents come get us, just left. I was just so upset. Reputed mob enforcer Gerard Wamet got out of federal prison just months ago. Today he stands accused of picking up where he left off before going to jail, and that is doing the mafia's dirty work. Uh, a couple of Rhode Islanders uh, were told that they would need to pay uh, money, uh, and that if they didn't, they would be hurt, and hurt fairly severely. Wamet was convicted of extortion and he was sentenced to life behind bars under the newly passed federal three strikes law. He called me every day. Um, I barely squeaked by finishing high school. Um, I know the teachers did take some pity on me because of all the things that were happening in my life. And you know, they were all well aware of it. He was in the paper constantly and on the news. Um, I didn't want to go to college right away. So my dad, you know, he, he, was, he was always trying to fix everyone else's life. Like, he wanted to make sure everyone did the right thing. So 
he said, if you're not going to go to college, then you're going to start working in a dealership. You know, a friend of mine has a dealership. You can go work over there um, until you figure out what you want to do. And so I went to work, you know, because my dad said so. That's where I went to work. Um, And that's where I ended up meeting my husband. He was a few years older than me. So then we started dating, and within three months, I was pregnant. So I thought I was going to get, like, you know, the angry response from my dad, and he was going to scream at me, and I was going to be in trouble. And he said, well, good for you, honey. At least you can get your family over with when you're young, and you'll have energy. And not the response I thought I was going to get, but um, he was totally okay with it. The day we sat down with Nicole, her teenage son Nick was with her. I'm Nick Souza. Uh, Nicole's my mom, and Gerard's my grandfather. Can you describe the picture? Um, I don't know. We all look pretty happy. <laughs> I was definitely happy when I went up there. We looked through photos of Nick and his grandfather, taken in prison. He's making a muscle. Yeah, he's flexing his arm. Uh, he's smiling. I'm laughing. You're poking him. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I felt it and it was like a rock. I was amazed. I remember this. I remember I went back to school and I told everyone about it. Is that the only time you got to uh, visit him or did you go a couple times? We went a couple times, but this is really the last time I went, right? Yeah, that is the last time we all went. I think I was, what, 13 or 14? He must have been thrilled to see you. Yeah. So when, find this you, when did you figure out that your your grandfather was a notorious Providence civilian? Uh, eighth grade. That's when I read the book. The book. In 2010, while in prison, Gerard Wimet self-published a memoir titled "What Price Providence." The only way I found out about how his life really went down was from his book. Um, I had, you know, I would have never imagined that he would have taken people's lives. You know, not, I would have ever thought, you know, I, not my father. Maybe making money illegally, that's what I thought he was doing. Um, because obviously he didn't have a job and he had boatloads of money. I mean, that's the only thing that I thought was wrong. I mean, I guess not everyone punches your boyfriend in the face. Like, it's not really normal. But um, I didn't really think that he was, you know, out slaying people for a living. Not in a million years. It's not at all how I would want, you know, my father to be. um, Or how I'd ever want my kids to behave. Or how I would ever behave myself. Um, Yeah, I felt really disgusted. Everyone has to fend for themselves like a normal family. And that's all I've been trying to do. It's just, I want to be normal. I don't want a handout. I don't want nothing. Um, I want my kids to be removed from it. And I always tell them it's, you know, not the way to live. You know, I never, like I said, I never, like, sheltered them from, from it. But I always told them, like, this is how it is. And this is why it's, you know, bad and it kind of tried to make it a lesson and an example and I had said you know he had made bad choices and that's why he was where he was it was all you know because of the bad choices that he had made in life Gerard Wimet aka the Frenchman 
spent a total of 46 years behind bars. I always had the feelings that he would come home. Um, he would tell me he was coming home, and I think it kept me going as well as kept him going that, you know, someday he'd be home and be an old man and I could take care of him, and you know, we'd kind of fix everything that happened in the past. But unfortunately, that, you know, that didn't work out. That last conversation I had with him, he said that his heart and lungs were weak and failing, so maybe if he would have gotten treatment, he could have helped, you know, could have helped him. But he told me that he ripped out the IV, um, got off the gurney, and said he didn't want this in him. He, he was fine. He was going back to his room. And he said a big black nurse lady said to him, uh, Honey, you know you're dying, right? You're not well. If I would have known that was going to be my last conversation with him, I probably would have said more. We hung up and, you know, days went by and I should have gotten in my car and driven down there or, you know, gotten on the next flight and done what I could. Uh, it's, you know, it's a shame that he just, he was all by himself. I couldn't even imagine just being there alone, no one by your side, no one caring for you. You know, he was probably in so much pain the last few days that he was begging to die. My dad, he's got like a grip on me because he was so powerful as as a human that his spirit has to be a hundred times more powerful. And there's things that happen, I think, sometimes. Maybe it has to do with him giving me little warning signs and deterring me from different things. And I'm like, you think? I'm like, maybe. Next time on Crime Town, it's another game of cat and mouse. But this time, the cat is the FBI. And the mouse, well, the mouse is the mayor. Oh,